It's the Redirect Podcast. Search industry research, discussion, and analysis from the Black Truck Media and Marketing Headquarters. And now, redirecting you to the Black Truck Team. Welcome to episode 68 of the Redirect Podcast. It's Wednesday, March 13th, 2019. I'm Jason Dodge, founder of Black Truck Media and Marketing. I'm joined this week by Patrick and Lauren from the Black Truck team. Wow, that's a mouthful. Welcome, gang. Hey, happy to be here. Getting back into our uh, regular routine here. I think we're going to go to every other week recording because, guys, recording a podcast every single week is hard. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. When we're trying to do work. Right. And, <laughs> and not, keep up on everything. It's not just a 30-minute <laughs> no, recording no, session. No, not There's at all. More. There's a lot of research that goes into it. There's a lot of reading and stuff like that. So, um, you know, without further ado, uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, take the lead on, uh, on this episode. Um, so uh, I spent a couple of days uh, out at Search Love San Diego last week, and I wanted to share a few things from there. I have, like, it was a two-day deep dive geek fest, I'll call it, of, of search marketing. I have a ton of notes. They're quite extensive, so it's kind of hard to pick out what I wanted to discuss. So um, kind of highlight real quick common themes from Search Love were very much, um, I, I picked up on local search was a big, was a big theme. Um, content focus, there were multiple people talking about content and coming up with different ways to come up with content ideas. So that's stuff as I continue to digest those I get to share with our team here and then technical like site performance side so there's a lot of stuff out there around those subjects so but the big element I wanted to talk about is more on the local SEO front Mm -hmm. and stemmed from some things that I've been researching um, prior to and then Dana DiTomaso from Kickpoint which I know Pat you've had the pleasure of listening to Dana before I think she does a fantastic job speaking she delivered a really great talk uh, centered on understanding your local search presence. So not so much on what and how, but more like how do you know what the hell or where the hell people are coming from? Like what, what are you looking at? And the big item out of all of that is the use of UTM tracking codes, specifically in your Google My Business listing. Interesting. So how you, obviously, you have a Google My Business listing. You have your link back to your website or to that location. Mm-hmm. And savvy, savvy marketers, I would say, for a while, um, have known or have used UTM tracking on the inbound link. So in your Google My Business or what we refer to as GMB, in your GMB link, you've been able to use UTM, like campaign tracking code on that. Because otherwise you hadn't a clue, especially in Search Console, where that traffic was coming from. Zero, zero insights. There was no way to parse that out from the rest of the pack. That was at least one way to say, hey, these people are coming in from our map listings, if you will. Um, obviously, you still don't know if that's local pack featured, what, what mm-hmm. have you. So the problem is that this has gone away. And so uh, Marie Haynes had talked about it on a podcast recently, and there's been, a, there's been some chatter online about it. But um, basically, if you were using UTM tracking on the link from GMB, it is now getting canonicalized by Google. Thanks, Google. And so what it's doing is it's stripping the UTM off and you lose all traceability of that traffic. Awesome. So now you're kind of left with 
right. back to square one, right? So that is basically nobody really had a solution on how the hell we're supposed to track that now or how we're supposed to separate that out. I think that um, you know some some easy things to go back to are in your reporting monthly, whether for us we're reporting to clients or whether you're reporting up the chain. Um, might not rely a little bit more heavily on the data that you can get out of Google My Business. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I was going to kind of throw that out to you guys as to what you thought about that. I mean, losing losing that type of insight or that detail is certainly a blow to quite a few people. But um, what do you think on that? I haven't provided enough attention to it at this point. It's like, with the type of work I'm doing on my specific clients as yeah. far as tracking back to um, GMB. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know my, my focus is heavier on the, the Google ad side correct and um, where they have a GMB page I've connected it to Google ads mm-hmm. and I'm able to track those um, Google, Google uh, conversions that yeah, from the store from the store or um, directions or map listings which I have no control over that's yeah. all just it's either on or off and then Google will create it as a conversion point if it actually happens so I, I, I can't speak on that enough at this point to formulate an opinion on it. So going back to the original, I guess the root of the problem is that the marketer or marketers are trying to better determine where their traffic is coming from mm-hmm. within and mm-hmm. is it coming from Google My Business Correct. or these um, you know, organic searches? Yeah, is it, is, it, is it local? Think of it as is it local pack, localized, yep. or is it um, more broad-based general organic listings? Yes. So let's, you know, to play along and kind of say maybe we're a... Um, a franchise of auto garages, right? Mm-hmm. And so you've got multiple locations and the insight there um, would be, you know, should we, are we getting more business in location A or location B? Is Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, for the most part, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that would be fair. Yeah, so I think um, it's kind of like one of those things that maybe going back to or ignoring that we were even allowed to put UTMs in at one point. <laughs> yes. And you have to go into Google Analytics and you have to then segment based off of, okay, so, you know, let's see some geo traffic and like where are those locations and what's happening um, around those areas, I guess, mm-hmm. and filter it based on organic search that way. Um, and then maybe you could try to correlate that along with the, um, the location of the business mm-hmm. would be an interesting way to see like, you know, if, if the question going back to that is which location is generating more business or like which um, piece of that, would that answer our question? Yeah. And I, then we get into this correlation, causation, you know, causation, correlation, exactly. et cetera. Um, I think it, what it really comes down to is, and this was something that we had discussed pretty heavily kind of coming out of MozCon last year, Pat, I think in July, 2018 was, um, people's reliance on Google's tools as mm-hmm. taking them as gospel, if you will, right. like Search Console, mm-hmm. for instance. We don't want to rely 100% of our knowledge and insights based on strictly what Search Console tells us, which is why we employ a lot of other third-party premium-type yep. tools to help guide us in that, and we're mashing everything together and then, and then developing the strategy out of that. I think the same thing goes at the local level. There's probably other things to do. You know, On the super, super high-end level, you've got companies like Stat. You can take keywords and look right. at that hyper, hyper-localized or what um, the mobile Moxie team does to say, what do we look like in a mobile local level? 
local Falcon visualizations on, on maps and things like that. There's, I think that technology is getting better um, to not focus solely on Google stuff. So um, the way Lauren just explained that made me have another train of thought, something that I've been doing and I didn't even correlate it was um, if I have a company with multiple locations, um, when I'm making their Google My Business page, a practice I've been doing lately is I'm not, when I make their Google My Business listing, I'm not putting their homepage in. Right, right. I'm putting the location page as, as the page. Agreed. So then you can track landing pages and then you can go in by source right. and look at, in your analytics data, you can look at landing pages and then the source. And totally. It, it gives you another layer to, to look at. You yeah, know, but in your, in your example of the auto um, locations, if it's a franchisee mm -hmm. with 10 locations in a greater metro area, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, and the person's driving around saying, oh man, I need, I need a new battery. <clears throat> I'm going to look at my phone, local auto parts near me. He clicks on that page and follows through to it. That will show as a landing page. You still don't know. You still don't know if that was a a, a local map search, right? Right. Or uh, uh, a near me organic search. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like organic yeah. pack versus yeah, so local there's, pack. There's still some blind spots in there. Yeah. But you're closer. Yeah, I would say it's at least showing you at a local level how you're yeah. improving, rather right. than sending everybody to a home page. Agreed send them to a locations page if you have that option. So, no, go ahead. I was just going to kind of ask the, the question of, let's say that we can determine that it's coming from a map search or through maybe like local pack and, you know, get that information that we want. Mm -hmm. What do we do with that information? You know, going, great question. going next. I mean, so sometimes I think as markers, we kind of get caught up in, in um, trying to solve problems that aren't really problems yet. Or, um, you know, as marketers, we want to build a website that does this thing, um, to produce a solution that there's really like, why are we creating this solution? And there's no problem that mm -hmm. exists. So sometimes I like to go back and ask, um, let's say that we did have that um, piece of information. How insightful is it really? Um, that's where I go back to this, uh, you know, case study question, I guess, if you will. If the business owner is trying to determine, or the marketer is trying to determine which are the hot spots for locations, then Pat's recommendation is a pretty solid answer. I mean, mm -hmm. if you're trying to see, okay, these locations are the landing pages, we can at least determine that like the searches are stronger in those locations. We can, yeah. we can. I think uh, I, I think to make the case where it really comes into play is the competitiveness. So the competitive mm -hmm. side of are we at the table? Are we not at the table? Who's at the table? Who continues to be at the table? And why are we not at the table? Yeah. As we sit around a table <laughs> and record a podcast. So um, I think we'll, we're going to table that for now um, to add a dad joke in there. You're such a dad. I know. Well done. Um, but I, I think the, the kind of in closing too, one thing that kind of came out of this in, so as this conference is going on, there's this whole other sidebar conversation that's happening on Twitter. And people are talking about those that are using UTM codes on their site, so like mm -hmm. UTM codes to basically measure certain actions um, and where mm -hmm. people are coming from, so a menu item click or something like that. And so the same thing can happen, right, in terms of oh. stripping that data. You lose, you technically lose that information because yeah. you have to remember that's almost like a unique page in terms of a referral source. So for actions like that, like are people clicking on this button? Are they downloading these certain things? Are they, are they clicking here? Are they coming from there? You, that's really where you want to harness the power of Google Tag Manager. Mm -hmm. And whether it's data layers, uh, specific tags and triggers, that's really what you want to do there. It was a, there's really a fascinating conversation that went on about people who are like, oh, I, I shouldn't do that? <laughs> like, no, you shouldn't do that. Wow, that's um, interesting. 
So, but I'll digress. Hmm. So some interesting stuff shaking in the local front. Um, good, good stuff. So Pat, I would like to discuss images. Images. Yeah, for for web, safe for web. Mm-hmm. Basically, mm. um, conversation I've been having with uh, some partners we work with, and then at an event recently, there was a question that came up about what's the right size for an image um, on the web as far as uh, a, a display-heavy business, an image-heavy business. Um, so I... I um, interrupt. Sure. File size or, in, or dimension? Just, just wait. Oh, God. Interrupt me. God. You always interrupt oh. me. Um, all of the things. Okay, great. Yeah, that's it. It's So that... You, that's your question. You're, you're one of the crowd that doesn't know the difference or right. doesn't understand the difference. So um, we're going to talk about how, what is the image that you're using? Mm-hmm. What is the intent of the image? Mm-hmm. Where did the image come from as far as the source tool? Was it a phone or was it a DSLR? Mm-hmm. Um, and then where are you displaying it? You know, the question always is high resolution image for your web display. Um, and now here on the SEO side of it, we always been, we're always talking about page speed load. And um, we want a fast load. And a lot of times you go into your page speed insights and it says that you could decrease the image sizes by 85% <laughs> yeah. and no one will notice the difference in the image size. And I just chortle of that every single time because there's so much in there that is out of the control of the average um, website owner mm-hmm. because they're not the developer and they just provided the files and maybe the developer didn't know it or, or it's an automated process for them. Um, so there's a couple things that you want in an image for your website. You want it to look good, you want it to load quickly, and you want Google to be able to index it. Uh, the indexing comes from alt tags in making it friendly. So we're not going to talk so much about the index side of it. We're going to talk about the look good and the load quickly. Mm-hmm. And you look at a couple different things. Image size is vastly different than, um, sorry, file image file size is vastly different than dimension. Mm-hmm. There's different elements of dimension. You have, think about your, your two-dimensional image, like a box. You've got three different dimensions you have to look at. You have the X, Y, and the Z, which is the dots per inch or points per inch. Um, and... To make that, to, to look at it this way, let's say you have, let's talk about thread count on your flat sheet on your bed. So mm-hmm. you have a queen sheet, mm-hmm. and you, it's, you know, I don't know the dimensions of a queen sheet, but you talk about threads. You've got that Egyptian sateen. That's, Always the Egyptian That's like yes. 800 yes, thread counts per inch or whatever. The higher the and better. The, yeah, the higher the better. The more comfortable, the softer, the smoother mm-hmm. sleep you're going to have, blah, blah. Now, what happens if you take that same exact flat sheet and shrink it down to your, your dish towel? Hmm. It's still got all those same thread counts in it, but now it's the size of your hand towel. What, what, what are all those extra threads doing? They're not doing anything. They're not helping you at all. There's no relevancy to those extra thread counts. Okay, so that's your third dimension that you have to look at. So um, I ran a little test um, on some things on an, on an image that I took directly out of my, my iPhone 7, uh, and I'll go over that in a second. That's your, that's your teaser. Uh, so the thing, there's you've got file format too. That's another one. Mm, mm-hmm. Everybody defaults to a, a JPEG or .jpg. Um, another one you can look at is a PNG or a, a GIF. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always going to call it a GIF. I don't care what everyone else says. It's a GIF. <laughs> um, 
So there's a different best case use for it. Oftentimes, a PNG is going to be better for a more a graphic type image, where let's say the majority of your graphic is all one color, where that's less data that file has to build. Okay. So the PNG is going to be the win on that one. Now, on what type again? A graphic. A graphic. Okay, a graphic. so graphic type. So on a photo, I look at the photo side. Um, if I'm going to save it for web, I'm going to look at saving it for a full color bleed, which is the 256 colors. Um, and depending on how it looks, because sometimes it can get dumped down as a GIF at, versus a JPEG. Mm -hmm. So I'm always going to fall by testing to see how visually at a desired dimension, my GIF looks on screen versus a JPEG. Oh, like if there's any degradation. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So a lot of times you'll see that in like blacks leading to grays. You'll okay. see like a splotchy line through it. Mm -hmm. So I always do a visual, visual uh, review of that. Uh, the next part is PPI, points per inch. Um, you know, we just talked about the, thre the, the thread count in your sheet. Um, if you take this giant bed sheet, okay, so an image out of your DSLR, which oftentimes can be um, a dimension of, let's say, 9,000 pixels wide by 4,000 pixels tall, you know, mm. and then you shrink it down and put this on the web page, uh, it's it's not going to help you. There's an absolutely no difference whatsoever in that image when you look at it online. You have to ask yourself, what's the use of this? Um, if you're selling imagery, if you're selling something that you need to be able to, uh, as a tool on your website, you have to have the ability to dramatically <coughs> zoom into something to see mm -hmm. details. Mm -hmm. You have the full display and then the greater zoom. Then maybe you might want to think about uploading the higher resolution image. Hmm. The problem when you upload these high-resolution images onto your website and then they only get displayed at a small browser size, the CMS still contains the full-resolution file. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you mm -hmm. upload a file that's 5 megapixels big, or megabytes, sorry, megabytes big, yeah. it's only going to display an image that's roughly a couple hundred kilobytes. Mm -hmm. But that... that the CMS in the browser still has to load that five megabyte file. So you're trying to put that 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 work on the browser and the CMS yeah, to, to yeah. try and resize so for it. It's, that's why your page is loading slow. One of the elements of what your page loading slow. Um, so I had a theory that browsers display only in 72 DPI. There's you have your screen display, then you have your browser display. I could not find any solid evidence that, that my theory is true. Mm. However, I could not find any solid theory that it was wrong. Mm. So I'm sticking with your browser, the browser, specifically the browser, is displaying at 72 dots per inch regardless mm. of what your image... Regardless of if I have a 4K monitor. Yeah, if you have yeah. a 4K monitor, if it's a retina, is a non-retina. Um, so I, I ran a little test on my screen here. Um, I'm, I'm on a 2016 non-retina 13-inch MacBook Pro. It's got a native resolution of 2,500 pixels wide by 1,600 pixels tall. Um, I took an image out of my phone. Um, it's a JPEG, saved at 72 DPI, and it is um, 3,000 wide by 4,000 tall. So mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a, horizontal, a vertical image, okay? So I took it, um, that image out of camera is 3.1 megapixels. Okay. It looks great on my screen. I saved it, I simply just changed it, um, I dropped it down to 750 by 1000 pixels. So if you're looking at a standard um, browser 
width on a full screen, let's say you want to image your header image of something, you're roughly 1,000 to 1,200 pixels wide, okay? Mm -hmm. So this image now, 750 by, by 1,000. At, at shrinking it down from the, the one dimension, if we look, it went from 4,000 to 1,000, it dropped that image from 3.1 megabytes to under 700 kilobytes. So I took the exact same image and all I did was change it to a PNG to see what happened. Okay. And it took that 691 kilobytes and bumped it up to 1.4 megabytes. Mm. So then I took that, mm. that um, <clears throat> kilobyte one, the 691, and I checked it as, out as a GIF. And it was 447 kilobytes. Mm. And then I bought, opened up all four of them on my screen at 100% view. And I could not physically tell a difference in any of them. Looking at them, saying it's on a web page, looking at the 3.1 megapixel versus the 447 kilobytes, there's absolutely no visual difference in them to the naked eye. Hmm. Have you, uh, in, in this, this is really fascinating stuff, um, and you having a photography background helps too. Um, anything on JPEG 2000, JPEG XR? Those are all marketing. Those are all different companies trying to have standardized, and it's always going to maintain. It doesn't matter the type. It's JPEG. It's JPEG. It's JPEG. So I've been reading mm -hmm. a lot, uh, a lot of information that came out of Lighthouse, and, and mm -hmm. Lauren might be educating us more on it. But um, I'll be able to share some more information. But there's a there's a ton of information out there now. On yeah, I don't know where it comes from. It you know JPEG two thousand, JPEG XR, WebP, uh, different image formats. Mm -hmm. But they're they're certainly pushing this. Um, like hyper compression um, and quality characteristics versus older JPEG and PNG. Yeah, it all starts um, with the, one, the original image, though. You know, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. You still got to convert it, you right? You still got to have that original file mm -hmm. size. Mm -hmm. So that that three point one megapixel file or megabyte file now, which is being stored in the CMS, now is only four hundred and forty seven kilobytes. Mm -hmm. That dramatically decreases. The speed and the volume of space that it's yeah that massive it's amounts of, of so why why waste all that bandwidth why waste mm -hmm. all that load time with all your images and that's just one image on on a screen on on a page and if you take if you have a page that has six images on it which is not an outlandish thing it can load so much quicker would you still would you still say uh, um, de depending on the the page would you right. would you still push for say you have an infographic uh, or a, a really nice yeah an infographic would be a great example right. would you still say hey you know what the the rest of the images if I can get those file sizes down JPEG where that infographic maybe still a PNG and allow it to be expanded because it's right. it's much more detailed and yeah okay yeah okay yeah and again it depends on what the use is going to be an infographic oftentimes there's fine details oh yeah in those yeah. and you want maybe the viewer to be able to zoom in on it okay and whatnot cool you know do it that way but if you have a graphic in an infographic like an infographic oftentimes you're working with maybe four colors sure so that's only four pieces of code that have to be known and stayed in that file so yeah. a 3,000 wide pixel infographic that only has three colors in it, that's a PNG, <laughs> might be a fraction of the size of a megabyte or of a, a photograph, a JPEG, hmm. that's smaller. Hmm. So right. you think about the data, you know, uh, yeah, I have a background in digital photography. Um, ages ago, I worked in a, um, a photo lab, a digital photo lab, and People would ask me to burn in a blown out sky. What that means, like, it was overexposed, the sky was white. Hmm. Okay, so hmm. they say, can you darken the sky? 
and I, my, my talk back on that was I can't build data where there is no data. Mm, you right. stop talking about it as a photograph of the sky because it's data. The pixel is pure white. Mm -hmm. I can't build data on a white pixel. I can't increase the whiteness of a white pixel. <laughs> right. Same right. thing with, with right. a black pixel, I might be able to go to gray, yeah, you know, where it's yeah. a zero spot. But if it's like in that middle range, I can, I can enhance colors where there's color, but hmm. I can't make black not... The only thing I do with black is gray. With white, there's nothing. So, I didn't think about it that way yeah, before. So That's there's, really no, there's no data. It's, you think about it as being clear. It's a clear pixel. There's nothing in there to build upon. Hmm. So if you have an infographic where the background is white and the inside is the black truck colors, which is black and, and orange, mm -hmm. then it only has to store the black and orange data. And if it's all one color of orange and one color of black, that's the only data that it has to store. So it's very little data. Hmm. So the file's quite small. Hmm. That's why I say do it on a graphic, because a graphic is usually not a full 256 color bleed like, yeah, yeah. like a photograph would be. Right? Interesting. So keep your, do more diligence yeah. on your photos yeah. and can dramatically increase the speed at which your page can load. And, and certainly do that work uh, offline way before offline. you're bringing them into yeah, your this is this is way on the back end. You're doing this with your photographer. Let's say you're doing a site rebuild. You're you're asking your photographer to do this because this it's it's not easy work. It's something your developer doesn't want to monkey with. Your developer mm -hmm. wants finished files that he just drags and drops yeah, into his right. building tool. You want your photographer to do this, or you want to be educated enough where you can do this on your own if you're going that route. Oftentimes, when you download a photo from a stock photo site, they'll give you when you're buying the photo, you'll get different variations of it. You'll get high res, low res. You'll get different file formats. you got to understand what you're going to be you got to understand what you're doing with those to, and then use them appropriately. There's no reason to put this amazing, beautiful, black, beautiful blacks, beautiful brightnesses that you see TVs advertised for. There's no reason for that on the web because so, all you're doing is adding bloat. What's interesting mm -hmm. is, is that as we progress more and more on web performance and site speed and last year's you know page speed update and stuff... You know, the web is uh, a, um, a disappointing place, not just from maybe what you read, but just the performance of sites. You know, and right. I think the, the push for that is a better user experience, and primarily their push is Google. They is on the mobile front. But it is amazing what people get away with. It is amazing what people will wait for in terms of loading mm -hmm. uh, images that are, you know, very like an image heavy site right you know uh, i think that's a it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting one so yeah so what you're saying is i can't just put a plug in on my wordpress site to compress all my images and then that's all taken care of you know because the big file's still in the background <laughs> <laughs> yeah noted yeah, yeah noted <laughs> i understand you might have read a blog post but um no it, and i think that if you had a if you had a a site where you know Hopefully, maybe those files weren't just weren't massive to begin with, and you ran some page speed insights, and we're like, ah, my, you're basically, yeah, I always say, pushing pixels at this point. Maybe the plugin's okay, like a WP Smush or something like that to to help with that. Yeah. But hopefully, on your main marketing page, those main keystone cornerstone pages, right. you've done basically what Pat's saying, and you've done your diligence, your work offline to make the online experience much better. No, I think that's a really good point. And kind of a takeaway is 
<clears throat> from an SEO perspective, you know, obviously we know we can't afford to optimize every single page of a mm-hmm. huge website, mm-hmm. but those ones that you're really putting a lot of investment into, this is another area where you can definitely for sure. Benefit. And and I think it's it's, it's really uh, I don't want to say we're on the cusp of that because there's been a some talk for a while, but you've talked about it. There's been others in the industry that have talked about it specifically or exclusively uh, about like image search, the growth of image search because we are actually, um, it's, you know, visual search is much easier than written search to describe something. If I want to try and describe uh, an article of clothing or a, um, you know, a specific tumbler or glass or something like that that's in front of me, to describe that and kind of translate it in my brain and to my fingertips to type it, to get an accurate representation of that versus taking a photo of it, and doing a visual search that way, you, you, once the machine catches up, if you will, right. the visual search is going to yeah. blow keyword it search is. out of the water. It is. And if you want your images to be able to show up quick and fast. Mm-hmm. No, that's really good. Cool. Those are some good thoughts. Anything to add? Yeah, absolutely. So just to kind of um, continue the conversation on page speed insights, and so Pat's already outlined some of these things. Um, one of the articles that was shared with me recently that I thought, you know, we've heard um, and we have a fair understanding now, I think, that if your page doesn't load fast enough, then maybe you might be penalized in rankings. Um, I'm going to come at it from a different perspective uh, based on what I found in this article that has more of a monetary background or, or um, you know, how can you be penalized in that? And then also Google has um, taken that and ran with it and created a tool to help you calculate uh, how much you could be losing. Mm-hmm. So... Um, Little company uh, known as Amazon, so <laughs> had a 0.1 second increase in their load uh, load time, and um, that resulted in a 1% decrease in sales. To give you some perspective Ooh. on that, that's 1.3 billion per year. Ouch! So when we're talking about PageSpeed Insights, PageSpeed, um, you know, there's a uh, you can be penalized in the monetary sense as well. So Walmart, hmm. um, comparatively, one second decrease in load time resulted in a 2% increase in conversions, uh, assuming that's online purchase conversion. That was an impact of $274 million per year increase. So you, you make a valid point to kind of like connect all of these dots, if you will, is, you know, you heard what Pat has to say about image optimization as being a, a really, um, it's, I would say it's, it's low hanging fruit, right? We're not saying, um, render blocking JavaScript and CSS issues right now. We're saying images. Mm-hmm. You're also taking it a step further saying, hey, you really need to think about this and plan it it's out. It's a low-hanging effect of <laughs> Right. And it could also feel daunting depending on the size of the site. Right. Which also creates sometimes uh, tension in a company. doesn't matter what company it is, whether you are an agency doing work for a client or you are a company doing work on behalf of your company. Um, to get buy-in on where you're going to spend that time. Mm-hmm. Kind of closing that loop is, hey, here's the, here's the monetary like, tie-in here to say, we could our, our traffic is valued at X. We could be losing X plus by not doing these things. You know, mm-hmm. If we increase page speed, if we increase load uh, or shorten load times, this is more or less what we could get in return, right? Right. So, and to Pat's point, if I'm an e-commerce store owner and I have these really great high-resolution shots of my work because I've been told that you know high resolution and, and the better 
photo quality, the more conversion or the higher conversion rate I'm going to have on my site, right? But so you would go back to them and say it's not so much about having that high resolution because it's it's actually um, slowing down your load speed or, or it actually isn't as much of a, an increase as you think it is to the naked eye. Right. right. It's almost like you, you blend that, uh, uh, anything you touch on it, art direction, so on the count of your, whoever's doing your photography work. Yeah. yeah. And the technical side. Right. So it's art direction yeah. and the technical it's, side. You know, a lot of times, too, like your example of um, Walmart's online shopping platform and Amazon, ultimately that's user-generated content. Yeah. Because yeah. the vendors who are signing up to use those sites to sell are uploading their own photos. Mm-hmm. 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 So I'm, I've, I've not ever sold on those platforms before. I'm sure there's notes and, and maximums that you're allowed well, to upload file size. You've sold on Etsy. Is there, a, yeah. is there a maximum file size there? There is, but it's usually dumb, like 10 megabytes. Oh, it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So here's, here's another example. If you look at um, in, the Google Ags uh, display network, your image file sizes cannot be greater than 150 kilobytes. That's right. Yeah. Those are tiny. Yeah. Think about that, that display image that runs the whole side of your browser. Mm-hmm. It cannot be larger than 150 kilobytes. Yeah. That's a tiny file. Yeah. And if you think about what you've seen, look at the quality of those images that you see in those, those yeah. display ads. That entire image, I guarantee every single display ad that you see is not bigger than 150 kilobytes. Because it can't. Yeah. It won't be allowed. Right. It awesome. Won't, it won't even, you'll get a big red X on the screen and it won't let you upload the file. That's a great point. Absolutely. Dang. All right. I'm cutting us off. <laughs> We're in. No, that was really good. A lot of really great information. So I guess kind of to wrap it up, um, if you're using UTM tracking codes, Google My Business, uh, you're not going to see that data. If you're using UTM tracking codes anywhere else on your site outside of actual campaigns such as email, paid search, etc., um, rethink that. Look at Google Tag Manager and um, please listen to the middle segment, the chunk of this where Pat deep dives into uh, you know, image optimization from a file size. Understanding that I think is is going to save you a lot of time mm-hmm. uh, and, and headache. And if you need help trying to figure out the monetization side of it, we'll make sure we share the tool in uh, our show notes too. So cool. Thanks guys. Until next time, good luck. This has been the Redirect Podcast. Check out the show notes at blacktruckmedia.com and add us on iTunes and Stitcher.